Amen. Amen. And we, we also want to say hello to everybody watching online and all the people uh, on our microsites and all the people in the military. God bless y'all. God bless you. We had a, a great, great, hey, let's give our military a big hand. Let's give our military a big hand. God bless you. God bless you. Especially those who are going to be away from their family during holidays. Uh, we're praying for y'all. appreciate you. Uh, last week we had a great uh, uh, celebration today. Last week we had our Commitment Sunday. And we want to thank all the people. We had almost 900 people commit last week to the All-In Campaign who've never given to the church ever before. So new people, let's give all those people a big hand. Amen. If, if you weren't here last week, we uh, ended our All-In series uh, with our All-In commitment, our two-year financial commitment with this card. And I, I've talked to a lot of people who weren't here and didn't commit, so you can get one of these cards in any one of the campuses and put it in the offering box at the end, and we'll be collecting these for the next two weeks. Uh, so if you didn't do that, but we just want to um, just celebrate all the people who did make commitments and step up. In December 6th, two Sundays from now, we're going to announce um, what came in. So we're going to be collecting those this week, next week, and then the week after that. Uh, the same Sunday that we launched City Heights, we'll be announcing what, what happened. And so if you didn't do it, uh, pray with your spouse, your family, whoever, and get your commitment in. You can give it in at any of the locations uh, at our, on our offering box. Amen? Amen. Let's all get on our knees and pray. And Lord, we thank you so much for last week. We thank you for all the people who did commit. I pray you bless them and honor them and continue to affirm their faith uh, to make uh, the pledge that they did. Uh, we pray you open up opportunities for them uh, based um, their trust to you that you would honor their faith in you and open up opportunities for employment, for relationships, um, for clear vision for their life. And Lord, I pray you challenge us today. I thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for your goodness Thank you for our church. And thank you for all the people in the community who are serving. Thank you for all the people who are going to serve for Toys for Joy and all the thousands of kids that are going to receive uh, toys for Christmas through our Toys for Joy uh, event. And thank you for the thousands who have received Christ. Last year, over 2,500 people gave their life to Christ. And we thank you and pray for even more souls this year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Give someone a high five as you stand up. Amen. Amen. If you are a visitor, we lift up our Bibles and say word. So if you have a Bible on your phone and your hand on three, say word. One, two, three, say word. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Very easy to find. Genesis 3. If you found it, say amen. amen. If you're still looking... Say amen. It's the very first book of the Bible. It's the third page. I got saved in 1984, and a couple of, about a year and a half later, I was a youth pastor. I went to Philadelphia to speak at my first event, the youth, youth camp. And when I landed in Philly, I saw in the newspaper that the devil was having a swap meet at the Veterans Stadium where the Philadelphia Eagles used to play back then. A swap meet, flea market, 
people call it different things, but you get the idea. And at the SWAT meet at the Veterans Stadium, the devil's demons were in these booths all around the parking lot giving stuff away. We're giving uh, drugs away, pornography, disease, all this stuff. And people were driving from New York, New Jersey, all around the Northeast to come to the SWAT meet to get this stuff. And it was all for free. So I'm driving there, there's traffic, people coming there, pickup trucks, and they were just getting the stuff away. And I get there, and all these demons are in these booths around the parking lot. And, and you know, six, seven, eight foot demons, stuff dripping from them, they're giving the stuff away, guns, all this stuff to destroy your life. And I'm walking around looking at all this. And in the middle of the parking lot is a stadium, and on top of the stadium is the devil, and all the doors to the stadium said, no admittance, Satan only. So I'm thinking, what's in here? And the devil's on top. He's laughing at all that's going on. I said, devil, what are you doing? He says, Miles, I'm destroying all those people's lives. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, all the stuff that my demons are giving away is designed to destroy their life. I said, well, what's in the stadium? He said, oh, that's my number one weapon. I go, what's your number one weapon? He says, well... He says, I can't make people sin. I can only deceive them. I can only convince them that sinning is the best option for them. So I use my number one weapon every single time. I said, so you're telling me all that stuff that you're giving away is designed to destroy their life. He said, absolutely. And that you can't make us give, take it and use it. You can only deceive it. He says, that's right. He says, I can only trick people. Whenever someone sins, they make a conscious decision to say no to God and yes to the devil. You may not consciously say that, but that's what your actions say. And so he says every time a person sins, I use successfully my number one weapon every single day against them. And so I said, well, what is it? He said, well, if I tell you, you're going to be able to beat me at my own game. And so I said, I'm going to read the Bible because I know the answer to all my questions are in the word of God. Can I get amen? amen? Every answer to every question you will ever have about anything is in the Bible implicitly or explicitly. What does that mean? Is that if you say, well, should I smoke cigarettes? The word cigarette is not in the Bible, but the Bible says your body is the temple. And Jesus, the Bible says in Jeremiah 33.3, if you call to me, God said, if you call to me, I will tell you great and mighty things you don't know. How many have a great and mighty thing you would like to know that you don't know? Can I get amen? Amen. Call to God, he'll tell you. So I told the devil, I'm going to go read the Bible. I'm going to find out what your number one weapon is. Now, we're going to talk about the devil's number one weapon today. What you need to understand is that every single day, and I would estimate every single minute, but it doesn't really matter, all day, the devil is using his number one weapon against you. Every single day. Every single person you know. Every single day, the devil is using your, his number one weapon against you. And the goal of his number one weapon is to get you to turn against God. In the Bible, the devil speaks three times. He speaks in Genesis chapter 3, he speaks in Job chapter 1 and 2, and he speaks in the, in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. And, and every time the devil speaks, he is trying to do one thing, to destroy your relationship with God. He's not trying to get you to sin, he's, which is basically the same thing, but he's trying to get you to Destroy, he's trying to destroy your relationship with God. He's trying to turn you and break that relationship with God. In Genesis, he's trying to turn man against God. In Job, he tries to turn God against man. And in the Gospels, he tries to turn the God man against his father. So every time you are tempted, understand that the devil is trying to break your relationship. Everyone say relationship. It's very important. He's not trying to get you necessarily to do something bad, even though that's how he does it. The ultimate goal is relationship. That's why in religion we think I got to do this or don't do that. In Christianity, you have to abide in relationship. 
devil understands the difference. And so you have to understand the difference. It's about relationship. And so in, in this story, he's trying to turn man, Adam and Eve, against God, but he always uses his number one weapon. And I'm going to tell you every day, all day, he uses number one weapon. So Genesis chapter 3, here's the context. God created the heavens and the earth in chapters 1 and 2. Some of you think, well, God didn't create the heavens and the earth. Just, let me just touch on that for a second because I know some of y'all believe in evolution and that God didn't create from nothing. Uh, you believe in the Big Bang. Just a minute. Who banged it? <laughs> Very important question. Someone had to bang it. And something had to be banged. There had to be something to get banged. Can I get an amen? amen? You can't bang nothing and you can't bang something with nothing. So someone had to bang it. Someone had, something had to be there to be banged. And you don't get something from nothing. And then someone had to organize what got banged. When you blow something up, you do not get order. This is, by the way, this is science. Science doesn't disprove God. Science points to God. Ladies, when you wake up in the morning, all this is banged. <laughs> Can I get amen? All the ladies say, hey. I, 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 all this is blah, ow. Chaos. No form without void. Can I get an amen? And then what happens, you wake up and you and, and, you and if you're married, whoever's with you, your husband goes, wow. And then what you do is you go into the bathroom and you apply, or wherever you go, and you apply uh, creativity. Uh, you, you bring order. You, you apply colors and products and time and in some cases heat and pressure. And then you create something beautiful. Can I get an amen? But you can't wake up and get banged it and all of a sudden it just happens to be beautiful. That doesn't happen. And, and you might be able to say, why are you picking on women? Because guys will wake up banged it and go to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're like, I don't care. <laughs> so, so... If even if something banged in the universe, somebody had to organize it. It doesn't organize by itself. God. And then chapter 3 says, chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Everyone say serpent. Let's stop right there. The serpent is the devil. He is more cunning and slick, intelligent. Yes, he is intelligent. The devil is so smart by using his number one weapon, he can get you to look in the mirror and say, I am going to do something that is going to hurt me and or my family and or my health and or my career and or my reputation and then do it anyway. Every time. <laughs> you actually will say that. This is going to hurt and yet you do it anyway. That's how smart he is. Let me tell, read some of his names of the devil. And his names imply his function. Uh, and, and it's in your notes. He's your enemy. Everyone say enemy. He's your accuser. Say accuser. He's the father of lies. Say father of lies. He's the wicked one. Say wicked one. He's a murderer. Say murderer. He's a tempter. Say tempter. None of those things are good. Ladies, if you were single and you were walking in the grocery store and you met this guy and he had all his teeth, his hair, and he had a little seek, and, you, and you, he asked you your name and you said, my name is Mary. And he said, what is you? And then you asked him what his name is and he said, my name is Player. 
you should run. Exactly. High heels, pumps or not, run. Right? Why? Because that name implies character. Satan's name is accuser, destroyer, enemy, murderer, father of lies. Why? That's who he is. Understand that's who he is. Let's keep reading. And it says, he said to the woman, yo, girl, what's your name? <laughs> Some of y'all met that brother last night. <laughs> he said, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat nor shall you touch lest you die. <sighs> so I'm going to give Eve an A minus on Bible memory because God didn't say anything about touching it. But I'm going to give Eve an F on practical Christianity because she's speaking with the devil. I promise you, Satan, I shouldn't promise you, but 99.999%, the devil himself is not going to show up in your room and say, what's up? That you would have a conversation with him. But anytime you start to question God's word, whether you really need to obey, whether you really need to get saved, whether you really need to read, whether you really need to serve, whether you really need to give, whether you really need to take your Bible and read it, you might as well be talking with the devil. Might as well be having a conversation with temptation, with a murderer, with a liar. And the devil says, what did God say? How are you going to know what God said if you do not read this? How are you going to know what God said if you do not study this, if you do not talk about this, if you do not teach it? By the way, the best way to learn it is to teach it. The best way to understand it is to talk about it. How are you going to know? And so when the devil tempts you, you go, ah, oh, yeah, maybe that's not true. When the media tells you what the Bible says, when the media starts redefining biblical ideas, and because you don't know what this, you just take the media's word for it. That's the devil talking to you. He's very subtle. The devil's not going to come to you and say, I'm going to ruin your life. He's going to tell you the opposite. He's going to tell you he wants to bless you. And so he says to the woman, what did God really say? And if she doesn't know what God said, and by the way, why was she alone? <laughs> the Bible says that God made Adam and Eve, and, he, and Adam was asleep. He tried to get Adam uh, a mate. God brought all the animals to him. He said all, none of the animals are compatible. He put Adam to sleep. Adam woke up, and there was a naked woman in front of him. Fellas, say praise the Lord. I'm, I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. That's all I'm trying to say. Why was that woman alone? If you are not surrounded with people who are going to challenge you, pray for you, speak the word to you, you're alone. You may have a bunch of people in your life, but spiritually you are alone and vulnerable for this guy to come speak to you. And so you might want to ask yourself, am I in a small group? Who am I accountable to? Who's praying for me? Who do I have to go talk to to say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? Can you encourage me? Do you have a word for me? I have those people in my life. You can't do it by yourself. And, she, and he says, what did God say? And then he is, here is the devil's number one weapon. You have it in your notes. I want to tell you. If there's anything you learn for the rest of your life is to understand the devil's number one weapon in your life. God showed this to me 25 years ago. I remember where I was sitting in my house 25 years ago. And look what it says in chapter four, I mean chapter three, verse four. It says, The serpent said to the woe man, You will not die. For God knows in the day you eat, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The devil's number one weapon is a two-fold lie. 
And the lie is one, sin has no consequence. You won't die. You can go watch pornography and it will have no implications on your life that are negative. That is not true. You can lie, cheat, steal and get away with it and not suffer consequence. That is not true. It's a lie. And not only is it a twofold lie, not only is, is the first part sin has no consequence, the next part is that you can decide good and evil on your own. You can decide good and evil on your own. Every single day you are told that God doesn't know what you're thinking. God doesn't know what you're looking at. God doesn't know what you just said. God doesn't know what you're doing by yourself. God doesn't know what you do behind closed doors. No, your, your parents don't know, your, your wife doesn't know, your husband doesn't know, your friends don't know. So therefore you are actually getting away with it. And by the way, you can decide good and evil on your own. You don't need some 2,000-year-old book to tell you or some preacher to tell you or some church to tell you. You can decide on your own. You have your own rights. Do whatever you want over and over and over. That is not the word of God. That's the devil talking to you. And all you got to do is ask yourself what happens when you do what you want to do. Look what it says. Verse 4. The serpent said, you will not die. In other words, you can do whatever you want. And by the way, die means that, you, we're going to look at five things that die when you sin. But death means the death of opportunity, the death of relationship, the death of vision, the death of self-respect. These are the things that die very, very slowly when you sin. The death of your relationship and intimacy with God, which we're going to see in a minute. But every single day the devil is telling you this, that you can actually do whatever you want and get away with it. And by the way, you can come to church, say praise the Lord, Jesus and all that kind of stuff, and nobody's going to know. But God knows. And you can fake it all day to people, but you are dying a death with God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the penalty of sin is death. Everyone say death. Death. And, and Satan says, no, it's not. Somebody's wrong. And all you got to do is drive by a cemetery. People die. Drive by and look at relationships. Relationships die. Look at health. Health dies. Look at all the things in your life that used to be alive and vibrant and living and active and, and, and positive that are now dead. And the devil is just lying to you. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the penalty of sin is death. That means not only will things die in this life, a slow death, but ultimately you will die and go into the grave. And I, I know that 100% of you believe that one day you will die and be in a casket. That is the result of sin. So when the devil tells you you're not going to die, you see it every day. People die. And that death is because sin is spiritual, will end up being a spiritual death, not only a physical death, a spiritual death is eternal separation from God. We'll get there in a minute. But we'll look at five things that died. Look at verse 5. God knows in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, when the devil redefined what the tree was for, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. 
before God. One of the things that died was innocence before God and each other. They walk with God with no shame. And when they sinned, all of a sudden, they were shamed. When, when my kids were little and we left them in a room by themselves, if we came in the room and they started to get real quiet and put their head down, we knew they had just done something wrong. Can I get an amen? Y'all remember that? They, they knew. They were shamed. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they saw that they were naked. How all of a sudden would they know they were naked when they weren't, didn't know that before? There's a study called biophotonics. Biophotonics is the study of light coming out of living things. Bio is living things like biology. Photonics is the study of light. A photon is the smallest unit of light. Photons, photography is the study of light. Photons uh, travel at 186,000 miles per second. So little packets of light are going throughout this room and wherever you are at 186,000 miles per second. So biophotonics is the study of light coming out of living things. By the way, the only thing faster than light is darkness running away. In other words, you never turn the light on in a room and darkness go, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> darkness is gone. Darkness has to run when the light is turned on. Light always overcomes darkness. And so the study is that, that, that living things have light coming out of them. If you ever see a little baby, their skin is just glows. Or a woman, when she's in love, her skin just glows. Or like a woman, at, at, right, when she gets engaged. You may even see a woman at work and you see her every day. She's, you know, just everything's going normal. And then one day she's like, hee, hee. <laughs> And it's not only a smile, there's a glow. There's life, there's light. On a wedding day, there's light. When she's pregnant, there's light. When a baby's born, their skin just glows. And then the older women and men get, they get dusty. <laughs> and therefore, you go to, you, you buy products <laughs> to return the glow. And then when you die, you know, the Bible talks about dust to dust, the light is gone. The light is gone. The theory, the belief is that Adam and Eve had no sin and their light was so bright you couldn't see their nakedness. And when they sinned, it was muted to what we see today. All of a sudden, they went from being innocent to being shamed. Then it says in verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They had intimacy with God, and now they are hiding from God. On the count of three, can you hide from God? One, two, three. On the count of, let's take a deep breath in. On the count of three, can you hide from God? One, two, three. Can you hide your thoughts from God? One, two, three. Can you hide the intent of your heart from God? One, two, three. So why every single day do you try? I have three children now, grandson, but my three children, my wife was in labor with our first child 12 hours. She was in labor with our second child, 24 hours. She was in labor with our third child, 49 hours. My son. And his head was stuck five hours when it started to come out. And when a baby is born, their head is about one-third their weight. Next time you see an infant, on the sly, check out how big their head is compared to the rest of their body. It's about a third. It's about a third. 
Can you imagine if your head was one-third your weight? That's what they, their head is one-third their weight. So a seven-pound baby, their head is about two pounds, two, two, two and a half pounds. Imagine, let's say you weigh 150, you had a 50-pound head. You would be at National Geographic, I'm telling you. So my son, his head was like 49, 50% of his weight. I'm just guessing his head was like kingdom. When he would cry, his forehead would rub on the carpet like that. So we would play hide-and-seek in our house, and in our house hide-and-seek, we would turn off all the lights, and if you went to hide, the goal of the game was to scare the person looking for you, right? So you turn off all the lights, you go hide, I look, or whoever's looking, and if my kids are looking for me, my, my goal is to scare them, not to get back to base. Okay, get them back to base. That's, that's old school, okay? So my son comes up to me with his big head. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad. Let's play hide-and-seek. I'm like, brother, where are you going to hide? I mean, you're going to be behind the garage or the Suburban. That's about it. I said, all right, cool. Go ahead, hi. I'll count. And so I start counting. And when you count in high and see, you got to count like a little kid. One, two, three, one. And I can hear him walking down the hall because his head is banging on the hall. Bam, 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 bam. And then he goes to the doorway where it's really narrow, like that, just goes to the door. So he goes and hides behind this little tiny skinny plant like this. And he's got like three foot of skull over here and three foot of skull over here. And he's got his hands on his eyes. He's going, he can see us. He can see us. His sister is hiding behind his head. She's dancing because his head is like this big. So I'm walking down the hall going, where's Miles? Where's Miles? And he's behind this little tiny plant. He can see us. He can see us. Little kids have a hard time understanding abstract things. If they can't see something, they don't think that something can see them or they don't even think that thing exists. When, when little kids see mommy leave the room, they think mommy is gone. Like, mommy can go out that door and they'll start looking all over because they don't know where she went. And that's why they cry. When you play hide-and-seek with a little kid or peekaboo, when you do that, you'll do like this and they'll, they don't know where you went. And then you come back and they laugh. It's not because of you, it's because of their brain. You think you're funny. You ain't funny. You didn't make nothing up. That's just their brain. So my son doesn't think I can see him because he can't see me. We understand that there's a God that we don't see. But because we don't see him, we think he doesn't see us. He doesn't know what we think, what we do. And here they are trying to hide from God. You can't hide anything from God. Look what it says next. The Lord called and said, where are you? Their authority or status with God died. They used to walk with God. Now they're hiding from God. God was their confidence. Now they're hiding from God. And God says, where are you? Are you any better off than you were before now? Are you any better off now? We had this little kid that named Danny. He used to go to, um, he was in our youth ministry. He was a little white kid. Actually, he wasn't white. He was clear. He had no pigment. He had red hair, red freckles, and you could see right through his skin, through his veins. Loved God, 
and he was hanging out with the high school kids, and he was like 12. He was bold, preached the word. We'd go to Mexico. He would go with us. I still have a picture of him with all of us in Mexico giving food and clothes uh, to the kids down there. And when he got about 14, 15, he got involved in a Mexican gang. He got a white, redhead, red freckle Mexican kid. But he's really not Mexican. So I'm in the juvenile hall talking to about 30, 40 kids. And I was describing to them Danny. And they said, he's down the hall. He was actually down the hall in a cell. I was like, no. He comes walking out, tattooed all up, walking, been stabbed, shot, hit all, by a car, all the stuff. He comes walking in, and he sits right in the front row, the same kid. I said, Danny, you remember going to Bible study? Yeah. You remember going to Mexico? Yeah. You remember teaching Bible study, preaching, blah, 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 blah? Yeah. I said, in front of all these guys right now, are you better off now or were you better off then? This is what God asked Adam and Eve. You and I used to walk together. I gave you authority over all the earth. Now you're hiding from me. So where are you? Where's your status? What, look at what you have lost. Your authority with me, our relationship is broken. And look what it says next. He says, so I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. You were afraid your sense of security in God. God says he loves you, he wants to have a relationship with you, he wants to bless you with vision, take care of you, and be secure in a relationship. And when you sin, that gets broken. Because you say, God, I'm pushing you out and I'm on my own. And some of you may feel on your own, lonely, because you push God out. And here's Adam and Eve walking with God in the, in the cool of the day. They're clothed in light. They have fellowship with God. All of a sudden, they're hiding from God. And God is looking for them. And they're running from God. And they're scared from God. Where before they were close to God. Their sense of security in their relationship with God died. And then lastly, the trust of God in them. Verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me. She, it's her fault. She gave me of the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said, oh, by the way, you can't blame the woman. All the ladies say, hey. hey. It doesn't mean you're not innocent or guilty. <laughs> but you can't blame the woman. It's on you. And then the woman said, then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the devil gave me and I ate. You can't blame the devil. The devil used his weapon, but in the end, you chose, I'm going to disobey God. The Bible says all of us have chosen to disobey God. The devil told us, you will not die, and you can decide good and evil on your own. You can have sex when you want to have sex. You can put in your body when you want to put in your body. You can think what you want to think. You can put it in your mind, whatever you want. You can do whatever you want because you're an adult. You have rights. You don't want anybody telling what you do? Go ahead. But death, look at the death. It's the evidence. It's the evidence. I was talking to a guy who was cheating on his wife. We met once, and then like a year later, I saw him again. And, and he comes up to me. I says, hey, man. He, he introduced himself. Hey, remember me? I was cheating on my wife. And I said, how, and he's, I said, how are things working out? Tears are coming down his face as he is telling me he made the right decision. 
You lost your family and you're crying. Yet you made the right decision. I don't get that. Death. The penalty of sin is death. You have death here. And by the way, your death in this life, death of relationships, death of innocence, death of intimacy with God, death of your health, all those things are warning signs. You know when you get hungover, that's God's way of saying, don't do that again. <laughs> Can I get amen? amen? Don't do that again. Matter of fact, if you do that, here's what happens. Do you like this? Don't, don't do that. It's very simple. That's all that is. But the ultimate death is eternal separation from God because sin is a spiritual offense against God. When you die with your sin unforgiven, you are eternally separated from God forever. The Bible calls that hell. Why is it called hell? Why, is it, why do people go to hell? Because they're not, sin is not forgiven. But God said the penalty of sin is death. So you have to pay for your own sin with your life or by faith you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because the reason Jesus died on the cross, a brutal death, was to pay the penalty of sin. If the penalty of sin wasn't death, Jesus died for nothing. If it was money, he would have just paid money. But God said, no, the penalty of sin is death. So Jesus said, let me go die for the sins of everyone. And whoever would surrender their life to Christ and receive him as their savior, where he would live inside of you, he would forgive you of your sin. And instead of you paying for your sin, he just did. And then you could have eternal life in the context of relationship. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, their relationship was broken. God wants to restore relationship. He doesn't want you to check the box of going to heaven. He wants to store, restore relationship. The devil deceives so he would break relationship. The devil uses his number one weapon so he would break relationship. God wants to restore relationship. If you would like to restore your relationship with Jesus Christ, you realize the devil has been deceiving you. Playing you for a fool. Remember, he's a player. Playing you for a sucker. Saying, I'm trying to bless you. I'm going to give you all this stuff. But yet there's all this pain in your life. All this loss in your life. And you realize he's been lying to me. That's his name, liar. He's been destroying things. He's a destroyer. He's been killing things. He's a murderer. That's what he does. But God is the God of life. And if you realize that, hey, I've been being played for a fool, I want to give my life to Jesus who loves me so much he died for me, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And in this prayer, you're simply going to tell God, in, in summary, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the dead. I surrender my life to you. And God will forgive you of your sin and restore your relationship with him. So right now I'm going to ask all the people on all the campuses, bow your heads and close your eyes. And all the campuses, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your relationship with God. And if the devil's been playing you for a fool and you're realizing no more, I want God to forgive me of my sin and I want to restore my relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me by faith in whatever campus you're in. You realize the devil's been playing you, lying to you, using his weapon on you every single day, bringing death into your life, destruction into your life. 
and you're saying no more. Some of you may want to recommit your life because you may have prayed this prayer and gave your life to Christ, but you're still falling prey to the devil's lies. In the privacy of your heart, pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I believe that I am a sinner. And I believe the penalty of my sin is death. And I believe the devil is a liar. But I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. That he died and rose from the dead for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please come live in my heart and be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Devil, be gone out of my life. You're a liar and a murderer and a destroyer. I give my life to Jesus. If you prayed that prayer on whatever campus you're in, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And by standing, you are proclaiming, yes, I am free. I am surrendering my life to Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you just gave your life to Christ, you shouldn't worry about what anybody thinks, just God. He died for you. He rose for you. So if you prayed that prayer right now, I'm going to count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand up. In this public place, wherever campus you're in, there's going to be somebody there to pray for you. You will not be alone. So if you prayed that prayer to ask Christ to be your Savior, on the count of three, just stand to your feet. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. 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 Stay standing good. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now I'm going to ask all of y'all who are standing to come down to the altar. And as we do that, we're going to ask everybody else to give them a, hand of, a round of applause. If you're standing up, come on down to the altar and let's give them a hand. They come on down. Amen. 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 Come on down. Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Let's encourage them. Come on now. Amen. 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 Just face me. There we go. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. 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 Amen. 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 God bless you. 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 Every single day. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, 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 hey. I like that hair, baby. <laughs> How old are you? Ten. Ten years old, came down here by himself. Let's give him a big hand. Amen. 
I just want to pray for a minute because there's somebody who was challenged by that little kid who came up here and you don't want to come down. And you're not 10. You're 10 times. Lord, I pray to somebody else. The devil's been ripping them off. And he's ripping them off even right now. Tell them, ah, I just, you don't need to go down there. I pray that they, by faith, get up out of their seat, even now as I'm praying, and start walking. And they walk away from those lies. They walk away from his grip on their life. Just step out of your seat right now. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, just step out of your seat and come start walking down here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone come down here. Amen. 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 Come on now. Come on now. Come on. 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 Amen. Amen. This is you, man. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Come on. Come on. Amen. Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Come on. God bless you. 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 Amen. 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 Ten-year-old. Ten-year-old. Let's try it again. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Come on. Not for real. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's give him a hand. Let's encourage you. Come on down. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. Come on. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. Come on. Amen. Let's cheer. Let's encourage them. Come on down. Amen. Amen. <laughs> little man. Come on now, little man. <laughs> Mom got her boys. That Bible is bigger than that. Bigger than your son. <laughs> Amen. Oh. God bless you. 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 Every single day, every single, I'm just guessing every minute, you are being told, you can do what you want to do. It's not, it's not going to hurt. You can get away with it. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Can I get amen? At that moment, you have to realize the devil's talking to you. Do I listen to God or do I listen to the devil? That's it. That's, that is this entire book encapsulated in your life. That's it. You could, you could just forget everything else. If you could just do that, that's the book. The greatest commandment is to love God. To love God means to obey God, which means to disobey the lie. Same thing. And God has a blessing for every single one of you. Oh, I don't see God's you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, God has a blessing for every single one of you for obeying him and trusting in him. Amen. Lord, we pray for all these people. We pray you encourage them. We pray you bless them. We pray you do something amazing in their life. Do something amazing in their life. Lord, I pray you would open our eyes to that weapon that the devil uses on us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a right turn and walk this way. Let's give them a hand as they go out. Let's give them a hand as they go out.
Amen. 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 Let's give a big hand. Come on now. Amen, amen, amen. You know, scripture says that all of heaven rejoices, and I don't know if that works out like, you know, the Hunger Games. Remember when the Hunger Games, someone would kind of get wiped out they do this big thing and their name comes i don't know how it works in heaven but that's pretty cool especially with all those young people that's something worth celebrating so thanks for staying around for that amen